It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. How can the Oklahoma City Thunder maximize their rotation We'll talk about that. Plus, what if Meechich comes in and fits perfectly in Oklahoma City? And how will J-Dub continue to progress? All that and more coming up on today's Mailbag Monday episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thundersintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're answering your mailbag questions such as, what if Micic is a perfect fit in the NBA? Some great questions about how to maximize this rotation and this lineup for OKC. J-Dub's progression, Kaysen Wallace's future, expectations for next year, and more. This is just part one of your mailbag questions because you sent in so many. I appreciate that. So that also means, though, that you still have time to send in mailbag questions on the YouTube comment section and also on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can also text the show on subtext, that's 405-963-3686, to discuss anything you want about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. And let's dive into this first question, which is a great question from at M20Workman. Give your choice of lineups for these scenarios. And he goes through and lists a ton of scenarios. And I think that this question really illustrates a talking point that I've been using this offseason of how deep this Thunder team is, how many options this Thunder team has, and it's it's really twofold. You're going to have options for, as Sam Presti puts it, when the sky falls. He says that the sky will fall twice a year on an NBA team throughout the course of an 82-game season, so you're going to have options for whenever those scenarios pop up. You're also going to have options for nights where certain guys just don't have it. They're not playing to their ability. They're not playing to the level that you think that they can play, and they just need a different look out there. And so within that comes versatility of highlighting certain players' strengths and and, and kind of hiding other players' weaknesses. So let's go through these scenarios and talk out 
what lineups that we would use for these scenarios and play along at home. The scenarios are down five with a minute left, up by three with a minute left, down 10 early in the game and the starting lineup does not have it. Playoffs, a tied game, one minute left. And then you're looking for the best five shooters for a nuclear shooting lineup. So let's start with down by five with a minute left. Look, I, I think that this lineup has some of the more you know, some some of the most combinations of any of these scenarios. What I settled on was SGA, duh. He's a 30-point-per-game scorer. Uh, he, he's a good defender. He also, of course, is your best offensive weapon. So he's going to be in there down by five, a minute left. Throw in Isaiah Joe for the floor spacing that he provides because whenever you look at this lineup, you already have SGA. He's going to get downhill at every point in the game. You're down by five. The drive and kick to Joe is going to be there, and Joe can knock it down. SGA is going to command more attention than just one player. The likelihood that that, that, that player who helps on SGA is defending Joe is pretty high. Joe has that open look. I'm going to put Josh Giddy in here. And I know that his shooting might deter some of you from including him in this down by five scenario, but Josh Giddy, his ability to do a few things are vital when trying to come back. Number one, rebounding. He is one of the best permanent rebounders ever, like, you know, in the NBA, I should say, that, that can just soar in there down there and get a rebound, even though he's technically listed as a guard. Um, his outlet passing off of those rebounds gets you quick points, which with a minute left down five, you need. And most importantly, is inbounding. Whenever you're down by five, you've got to balance scoring quickly with being out of control. And Josh Giddy will let you stay under control. He'll let you in possessions with rebounding. He'll let you get quick buckets with his outlet passing. And then on the inbound, he's not going to panic. He's not going to throw the ball away. He's not going to waste a precious possession. So that's why I still have Josh Giddy in here, uh, even though his shooting is not yet uh, up, up to par. And then I'm going to have Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. He not only provides defense, and I think that um, while, we, while we focus a lot on his offense, his defense was good for a rookie last year and will continue to get better year over year. I think that he has the, the, the tools and the potential to be a really good defender. Uh, so he has the defense. He's an efficient scorer, which you need when you're trying to get these quick strikes. But he also has great awareness. And you can see it down the stretch of last year, like down, down stretch runs of contest last year. We always talk about how rookies don't impact winning and, you know, uh, how, how difficult it is for rookies to pick up winning along the way. But J-Dub did impact winning and he was very valuable. It's because of his situational awareness on the floor. He understands when you need a two, when you can get a three, when to pass up a two, four, or three, and when to just score the easy bucket. You've seen him go coast to coast in like three three seconds and, and, and get a bucket, you know, less than three seconds to get a bucket. Like he, he is quick, efficient, and he can score and play defense. So I'll have Jada in there. So, so far, we've got SGA, Isaiah Joe, Josh Giddy, J-Dub. I'm going to also put in Chet Holmgren. You need that rim protection to not give up any easy buckets because, you know, down by five with a minute left, an easy bucket could do you in. He also provides floor spacing. You saw how teams defended him in summer league where they're just flying out there and over pursuing him on the perimeter. That gravity is going to help alleviate some pressure on Shea getting downhill at the rim. You can also roll for easy buckets in the pick and roll with SGA or Josh Giddy. And of course, defend the rim and do everything that he can do defensively. 
So down by five, I think that's your best option because you've got to balance scoring quick with not giving up buckets to not let them grow their lead. And so the you know the, the area here, Josh Giddy might be a weakness defensively, but his rebounding helps him in possessions and, and help him and helps him on the end of the floor. Isaiah Joe is, is a bit small, but we noted all year long how he plays bigger than he is on that end of the floor and stays attached to guys. And at this point, we'll sacrifice some defense for the fact that we have a guy that can stay in front of his matchup at least uh, and then can also knock down uh, threes at his clip. And then you have SGA, uh, Chet, who you love. Now, up by three with a minute left. Let's And, and, and the note here is this is against a good offense. So this is a really good offense. You're up by three. This is interesting with a minute left because there's still a lot of time. In, in basketball, a minute is still a lot of time especially with the NBA, how you can advance the ball, et cetera. So you've still kind of got a gear to play offense. You're not quite at that offense-defense point of the game where you can start subbing in and out based on free throws and everything else. So for me, whenever I look at this possible lineup, I would still keep SGA in there because he, he provided some really good defense last year. And he's also your best offensive weapon to help, you know, keep that lead, keep the flow of the offense. Also, with the flow of the offense note here, he shot 90% at the free throw line last year. So if you can cling to this lead long enough of this duration of this minute, then you're going to be able to have him knock down free throws to ice the game because he shot 90% last year at the stripe. So I'll keep SGA in there. I'll put, instead of Isaiah Joe, I'll put Case and Wallace. I think Casey Wallace can be an incredible NBA defender, but also a really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So you get some of that shooting that, that Joe brings, not all of it, obviously, but some of it, and you improve mightily defensively. Then I'll have Dort's defense out there because he's who you're going to put on a good offense's best score. No matter what position, position that they play, he'll be defending them. Then you have J-Dub, who I think, again, will be a, a good defender and can also score and is also situationally aware, and Chet. Chat, defense, scoring, same situation. So we're swapping out Joe and Giddy for Kaysen Wallace and Lou Dort whenever you go up by three with a minute left against a really good offense. Here's the fun one. You know, you can debate the first two laps for sure, but this one is where you really have room to debate. Down by 10 early in the contest, and the starting lineup is off to a brutally cold start. Who do you throw in there? My five were pretty easy to get to, but I can see a pathway for you to disagree with my five. So the first guy I'm putting in is Michich. He is a guy, a two-time year league MVP, two-time year league uh, champion. He, he's brilliant at navigating the pick and roll and, and, and being able to score. And also he's not a terrible defender. Putting him in to steady the ship and bring leadership off the bench is my first call. Then you bring in Cason Wallace, who gives you that shooting and defense. You bring in Aaron Wiggins, who is just this ball of energy that produces winning plays. You bring in Kendrick Williams, who is that tough, gritty player that takes no nights off. And Jay Will, who brings you a ton of energy. I think that in a hypothetical world where you're starting lineup of, of SGA, Giddy, Dort, Dub, Chet, got off to some cold start, them seeing these this second unit play with a lot of energy, will flip the switch for them as well. So that's kind of where I'm looking at with this lineup. 
You're going to have Mitch to lead the offense. You have guys who can compliment him in Kaysen and Wiggins offensively. And then you have Jay Will and, and Kenrich, who you know will bring it every single night. I, I think I love that lineup. It's like the spark lineup. Then we get to playoffs, tied game, one minute left. And I think that this lineup will switch, let's say, three times during the season. I think right now, you have to go with, with what you believe the best lineup is, which I think that we all believe is the starting five. And so I say SGA, Giddy, Dort, J-Dub, Chet. Now, SGA, Dub, Chet, Giddy, not debatable. I can see some of you shivering right now at Lou Dort. I will point out, though, we've seen Lou Dort at every point in his career, whenever he's gotten the chance to, the chance to play postseason basketball, we've seen him raise his game. We've seen him elevate. We've seen him produce at both ends in the playoffs. So in a playoff setting tie game, one minute left, I trust him. Last year in the play, and we saw Josh Giddy take his step up offensively against the Pelicans. So I'll trust Josh Giddy. Then you have Dub SGA Chet. So as of this moment in time, I think that that's going to be your best lineup in the playoffs. So that's who I'd rock with right now. Now, you know, we could see other guys step up, other guys excel in different scenarios, and maybe this answer changes two, three, four times between now and when the playoffs actually arrive. But I, I think that that is kind of your group, and it has to kind of be your answer for now. What is the nuclear shooting lineup? I have two answers, and this might be cheating, but you didn't give a time limit here. So if I've got to still keep an offensive flow, like if I've got to keep playing, and, and we're like in the second quarter, but we need some shooting, and so we just got to keep going, but we need some shooting, I would put SGA, Isaiah Joe, Casey Wallace, J-Dub and Chet on the floor. Now, if we're at the end of a quarter, end of a half, end of the game, and I've just got one play, and it's going to be a three-point shot, and I need all the best shooters out there, then I'd get crazy and go SGA, Kaysen, Isaiah Joe, Bertons, and Chet. But that's not very flowy. I don't think that that lineup could flow within a game. You could play that first lineup. I think you could play that lineup for a three, five, six-minute stretch. That second lineup, you can't play but for, for a situational possession. So the, that's where I'm at on the nuclear shooting lineup. I answered it in two different ways. It could be a cop-out. If I had to pick only one lineup, I'd pick my first lineup. But if we just needed a three, I'd put those guys on the floor. Coming up, let's talk Michich and what if he translates to Oklahoma City and... Are we overlooking the potential of a J-Dub leap this year? And all of your other questions in part one of Mailbag Monday. But first, I want to tell you right now, we're good friends over at FanDuel, folks, because FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. You can go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown right now to get started, and you can bet on baseball. They have every sport imaginable, but right now, you can take your first swings at betting on the MLB and you can win 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. If you just bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Folks, it is incredible to go to the FanDuel app because it is not only America's number one sports book, but it is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid instantly at FanDuel. And so you can go bet on the money line, you can go bet on the spread, you can go bet on prop bets, anything you want to over there at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel, the official 
partner of Locked On and Major League Baseball. You can bet right now on the Phillies and Marlins. The Phillies are a run and a half favorites on the road in Miami. So go check that out at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Today, we're answering your mailbag questions, part one of this mailbag episode at Barna 35, if Mitchich translates to the NBA and is the exact player he was in the EuroLeague, does he crack the starting lineup? Is he a difference maker? And who does he take out of that starting lineup? So first and foremost, if Mitchich translates exactly one-to-one the way he played in the EuroLeague, he is absolutely a difference maker. And I don't think he will start. Because from everything that we've been told, like, Mitchich understands the situation here. He understands what he signed up for. He understands how he's going to be used. He understands and is comfortable with the deal. And so as he prepares for the NBA and he foregoes the FIFA World Cup, FIBA World Cup, I should say, he is prepared for what this is going to look like in Oklahoma City. Now, will he make a start this year? I think he will because someone's going to be out for a game or two. You're not going to get through this season and Shea, Giddy, Dub, Dort all play 82 games. They're not all going to get the 82-game mark. If they do, that is a fantastic anomaly season that not many teams can say that they've had. So with that being said, he is the perfect guy to transition to the starting lineup in a pinch like that because he's going to be one of the most trustworthy players. Like, you know that if you put Mitchell in a game, he's not going to lose you a game. He's going to play smart basketball. He's going to bring leadership. He's going to play under control. He's going to do what you ask him to do. And he's just going to be at the center of good play. So you can trust him to navigate things, weather the storm, get off to big runs. You, you can trust him. And so that's why I think his best value even forgetting about if he's better or if he's not better than, than the, the five starters, his best value is off the bench where he's running the show, where he's in charge of navigating the pick and roll, where he's in charge of navigating the offense, and, and he's in charge of bridging the gap from what this team looks like when the starters go to the bench. 
where you can rest SGA, J-Dub, Giddy, and not worry that your lead will dissipate in two seconds. You can take some of that pressure off of your team. So I don't think we'll start this year as like a mainstay starter. And I think that his value will actually suggest that he's like better running the show in the second unit versus trying to find his spots with this starting group. Because even if you think he's just straight up better than Lou Dortz, for, for example, he, the style of play he'd have to play alongside SGA and Giddy is way different than what would highlight his skill set. And so that, that too adds into how he'd be better coming off the bench, even though it's quote unquote off the bench and like he's a bench player. I, I don't think that it's the negative that it appears to be for either side. Uh, at one, two, three, OKC, three, two, one. Are we overlooking Jalen Williams's uh, possible growth next year? He has improved every month since day one, and we have evidence that he has a similar mindset to Chet and SGA in terms of work ethic. So I can't speak for everyone. The internet is a vastly huge place, right? So you might be seeing someone discrediting J-Dub's potential um, to improve next year. For me personally, I've only seen people get, get overly excited about J-Dub's potential to improve next year. So, but again, let's just take this for the question that's worth, because I, I believe that you've probably seen that. The internet's so big that you can probably find every opinion out there. For me personally, Jalen Williams has gotten better each year of his, of his basketball life, from high school to college. And he became a lottery pick overnight. You know, in the combine, he got better from the end of the college season to the combine. Then the combine, of course, to the NBA, and then the NBA month over month, like you, like you suggested in this question. He's going to get better. You've seen that he's already in the gym getting a lot bigger and stronger and, and, and everything that he can do, you know, in terms of having this bigger body that he, that he now possesses. So for me, I'm not worried about like his development. I think he's going to develop and, and he's going to look better. He's going to continue to get better year over year. I think he'll look a lot like Shea. Where Shea's always played good and Shea's always gotten better. And, and, here recently, as he's gotten older, we've said, well, you know, this might be his cap, and it never is. Like he's always just always going to get better and better and better. To this point, Shea's always climbed up. I think it'll be the same thing for J-Dub. Even with, an, even with a very impressive rookie season, he'll still climb up and up and up. And one thing that I've highlighted is, for him and Chet, I think going to Team USA, even though they're on a select team, even though there's, there's a higher than not chance that they're not even going to play a game, just simply being around those players, practicing against those players in that environment, is going to make them better. That's been the case for a lot of players who have gone and played in some variation with Team USA. They've gotten better by being around that coaching staff. They've gotten better by being around those top players. And it's going to be the same for Jada and Chet because they're both players who not only improve dramatically, but players who are like sponges that, that want to learn, want to study basketball junkies. So I do think that Jada will have an improvement this year. And, and, and we'll have a pretty significant one. Now, let's take at Brett HD3's question. If you were an NBA general manager, who would you take to build your team around SGA or Chet? To me, this is like a no-brainer. I would take SGA because he makes your life so much easier. And that's how, that, that's how valuable he is. Let's say that both these guys hit their top 1%, the, the tippity-top ceiling of their game. So let's not discredit Chet here. Let's say he hits the best he can be. 
even if Chet Holmgren hits the best that he can be, which is an incredible player, it will be easier to build around SGA. SGA plays the guard position, but SGA is versatile. He's shown a willingness and an an ability, more importantly, to play on and off the ball, to play with a couple more ball handlers, to play as the only ball handler, to play as an isolation scorer, to play as a play finisher. He has shown an ability to do everything on the basketball court, and now he's improved defensively to where last year Synergy grades SGA as an excellent defender in the NBA for his position. So, like, the the, the idea and the, and the, and the ability that SGA has to carry your team and to fit around whoever you bring him is going to kind of lift him above Chet. The thing with big men is, and I think we'll be the same with Chet, they can't play with everybody. They just can't. You can pair them with the wrong four. You can pair them with the wrong guard. Look at, look at Minnesota. Look at the feeling of Cat year over year. As you, as you start to pair him with different options and you start to pair him with different players, it starts out with Wiggins, then it goes to you know, Ant Edwards, then it goes to Ant and Rudy Gobert. Like the, the, the public opinion of Cat has changed and declined with who you've put around him. And so you've got to hit on, on how you surround Chet. Whereas with SGA, he can be more adaptive. He can, he can change. He can fit in. It's going to be really hard, and it would be really hard. If you if you were in charge of an NBA team, it would be harder to find players that won't fit with Shea than to find players that will. And so that makes your life so easy that you'd always pick SGA. Not to mention the obvious fact of this guy's already scored 31, 31 points per game while being efficient, while being a good defender in the NBA, while another guy has not played an NBA game. Forgetting that easy like talking point, even beyond that, even giving them their best of the best ceilings, it's just so much easier to build around Shea than a player like Chet if you can only pick one. Luckily for the Thunder, they don't got to pick one. They can build around both of them, and, and both of them are going to be very, very good. But you you just see the positional value of trying to build around Evan Mobley. Like, like you, you, you get Garland, you get Evan Mobley, you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you go get Jared Allen, and now you got kind of a funky group of Allen and, and, and Mobley, and what can that really get you? Where can that really get you to go? Right? So it's just easier for the sake of your job, right, to build around SGA. And that's why I would take SGA. Coming up, we'll talk about Kaysen Wallace and Keontae Johnson's ceiling. We'll talk about if you could add one player from any team, who would it be? the rotation, and best Thunder players of all time, all coming up. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. At BrettHD3 asks, what could Cason Wallace and Kathy Johnson's future ceiling be in the Thunder rotation? And where do you see them in the next five years? Um, you know, Cason has a better chance to be a mainstay of the rotation this year than Keontae does, uh, but Keontae still has a shot. I, I think that, you know, the five years comment, you know, Keontae could be a really, really good seventh to 10th man on your, on your roster, either in Oklahoma city or elsewhere. He provides that juice. He provides a really good skill set. Keontae Johnson is going to be a good rotational player. Cason Wallace, you know, in five years, he, he could be a starter in this league. And it could possibly be an OKC, depending on how the roster construction goes, but he can be a starting level player in this league. You know, some either in OKC or elsewhere. So that's kind of where each of them lie. You can go back and listen to last week's episode with Locked On Kentucky host Lance Dow to talk about all about Cason Wallace's in, uh, NBA future and what he can do based on his season at Kentucky. At the future GM1, if you could add one player from another team realistically or unrealistically, who would it be? So if I could just plop a player on this team and not have to worry about what the return was to the other team. Like for example, I'm just picking them, them up, putting them in OKC. We're not trading anyone over there. It's just now he's magically on the thunder. It'd be Michael Bridges. Like, Oh my gosh, Michael Bridges on this team would be incredible. OG and Anobi on this team would be incredible. Now getting to some realistic names where you do worry about the return I mentioned Dwayne Finney-Smith. I really like the idea of him in OKC. I like the idea of PJ Washington in OKC. Uh, but if, if you could just get unrealistic and just plug a player in here, I would love Michael Bridges. I would love OG and Obi. The return for them, you know, would would be what you would worry about um, if you were actually to go try to get them. At Chris AC, out of all the rotational players, who is the most likely to take a leap? I would... I would label it as like Josh will take a leap because like people didn't give him the credit that he deserved for a second season leap. They were kind of all caught up in trade up and you can argue we'll be caught up this year in chat, but um, I, I think that he'll, his leap will look and, and get more attention this year. Uh, his stats will be a huge leap this year with, with the addition of chat. So like he could take a leap in the sense of his, his basketball reference page in the sense of like watching him in the eye test leap. I've always said Usman Jang. I'll also throw in Poku. Like, what if Poku, I know that we've written him off and and people, you know, he's, he's a polarizing player and people either think the world of him or, or think that they should, you know, cut him right now. Forget all that. Poku's gotten better every single year of his NBA career. And last year was his best year, but he suffered, you know, a severe leg injury. But I ask you, what if Poku comes this year and he has a leap where he plays to that November stretch and he sustains that for the life of a season. If November Poku was real, that is a massive leap. If he can do that over the course of an 82 game season. Now the, now the hard part is actually doing that, but he's at least shown that flash in November where he could be a guy to take a leap. And again, he's gotten better year over year. And so until a guy doesn't get better, it's hard to worry about it. 
he hasn't declined. He hasn't gotten worse. He's gotten better. So we'll see what he looks like in a more competitive environment, both you know internally and externally. At Basketball Wave, all-time Thunder 5 and best NBA players in each position. So the all-time Thunder 5, I think, is pretty standard. Uh, SGA and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I would say Russell Westbrook at the 1, Shea at the 2, Paul George at the 3, Kevin Durant at the 4. A little bit of cheating there, but he did play the 4 uh, in his career. Uh, and then Steven Adams at the 5. Personally, I love Nick Collison. I would put Nick Collison in there, but I know that like for like the best 5 guys, you'd have Steve-O. Um, you could also swap in Ibaka. So I guess if you wanted to play with Ibaka at the 5 instead of the 4, you could kind of finagle it that way, the way I did with Kevin Durant going to the 4. But nonetheless, uh, Steven Adams at the 5 for me. Then... Look, the, the best NBA stuff is going is going to spark a ton of outrage that's kind of unnecessary. So first of all, I'm only going to do players of my lifetime to make it easier because I'm not going to like rank Wes Unseld, even though my dad thinks he's the best player of all time. Um, I'll just do of my lifetime and the positions like, okay, again, don't take this too seriously. Steph Curry at the one, Kobe at the two, LeBron at the three, Dirk at the four, Shaq at the five. That's my best player in each position of my lifetime. At Beavs, does this new generation already have three future MVPs? In 2012, the Thunder did and didn't know it. <sighs> okay. Shea could absolutely win one. Like, Shea could win one. He finished top five in MVP last year on a team that made the play and is an under 500 squad. So, like, he can actually do it. In Vegas, he's a top 10 odds guy to, to win the MVP. Your other options are Chet, and J-Dub, and Josh Giddy. The bottom line is, we just don't know it. And, and, and these things are just impossible to predict. Like, that's why we didn't know it in 2012. Like, guys who haven't won the MVP are like Luka and Tatum, etc. If J-Dub reaches Luka and Tatum status, like, oh my gosh. And they don't have an MVP yet. So, it's hard to say that they have three MVPs. Like, that gets a little bit carried away. But, we could revisit this in a decade and say, whoa, way back in 2023, the Thunder drafted, you know, three MVPs again. Who knows? But uh, it's just, it's too early to know. Last question for this part. Again, part two will be tomorrow. So get your questions in on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. We're going to have to break this into two parts. At Basketball Wave again. If you could go one versus one against one of the Thunder's five best players, and they had to score 50 points before you scored once, who would win? I would get absolutely obliterated. I might not have a shot touch the rim. It would only take the Thunder player 50 possessions to win this game. Now, I have two options. Number one, I think Jaden Williams would just like, J-Dub would just like do this. Like, like if you asked him to, I think he'd do it. But like, J-Dub, he might feel bad and just let me score just because he feels bad for me. So maybe he just let me score. And that would be the only way that a shot of mine touches the rim. I'm certainly never going to get a stop unless like, unless they feel bad and just shoot, you know, a, a full length shot of the court. Maybe that will miss. It probably won't, but maybe it will. But if I had to just like stay in front of a guy, I couldn't. And then my other scenario is if I pick Chet, okay, it's going to take 50 possessions because he needs to score 50 points. By block number 48, is he just rearing 
to get a 50 possession over 50, 50 block stat line where I could get him to just try to swat my shot to Mars. And he leaps from the restricted area all the way back to the half court logo. Then I might see a shot touch the rim. So maybe you bet on that where you're so bad that Chet wants to block shot 48, 49 and 50. So we can say he blocked all 50 shots and he just flies by because he just cannot contain himself trying to get that block. And even then I might not make it. So uh, yeah, anyone who thinks that they can beat an NBA player is just silly, really silly. Um, Even if it's a one-on-one to 50 points before I scored once, I couldn't do it. Now, again, there are some options. Like if Jada, if Jada forgets the rules, right. And he's like, Oh, I'm just going to score 50 before he scores 50. And he lets me square once. Maybe I could beat him and just, just trying to be a nice guy. And then if Chet gets that flyby, maybe I could do it too. Other than that, there's not much hope. There's not much hope. And you can confirm that with everyone who's ever played uh, media basketball around Oklahoma city. It's, it's not good. It's not good. I've got a sick mid range shot. Okay. The problem is getting in position and getting a shot off the mid range. Like if he is, you know, if you just let me shoot it, it'd be pretty good. The problem is, you're playing the game. They don't just let you shoot it. Now, anyway, let me know what you think. Could you score one before they score 50? I doubt it. Even you, Daniel Bell, I doubt you could do it. Actually, you couldn't do it. Now, until tomorrow, when we answer more of your mailbag, your mailbag questions, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.